Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information and to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Alan Quatermain by H. Ryder Haggard Chapter 17 The Storm Breaks And now it was that the trouble, which at first had been but a cloud as large as a man's hand, began to loom very black and big upon our horizon, namely, Soraeus's preference for Sir Henry. I saw the storm drawing nearer and nearer, and so, poor fellow, did he. The affection of so lovely and highly placed a woman was not a thing that could, in a general way, be considered a calamity by any man, but, situated as Curtis was, it was a grievous burden to bear. To begin with, Nyleptha, though altogether charming, was, it must be admitted, of a rather jealous disposition, and was sometimes apt to visit on her lover's head her indignation at the marks of what Alphonse would have called the distinguished consideration with which her royal sister favored him. Then the enforced secrecy of his relation to Nyleptha prevented Curtis from taking some opportunity of putting a stop, or trying to put a stop, to this false condition of affairs by telling Soraeus, in a casual but confidential way, that he was going to marry her sister. A third sting in Sir Henry's honey was that he knew that Good was honestly and sincerely attached to the ominous-looking but most attractive lady of the night. Indeed, poor Bougouin was wasting himself to a shadow of his fat and jolly self about her, his face getting so thin that his eyeglass would scarcely stick in it, while she, with a sort of careless coquetry, just gave him encouragement enough to keep him going, thinking, no doubt, that he might be useful as a stalking horse. I tried to give him a hint, in as delicate a way as I could, but he flew into a huff and would not listen to me. So I was determined to let ill along for fear of making it worse. Poor Good! He really was very ludicrous in his distress and went in for all sorts of absurdities 
under the belief that he was advancing his suit. One of them was the writing, with the assistance of one of the grave and revered signors who instructed us, and who, whatever may have been the measure of his erudition, did not understand how to scan a line, of a most interminable Zuvendi love-song, of which the continually recurring refrain was something about, I will kiss thee, oh yes, I will kiss thee. Now among the Zuvendi, it is a common and most harmless thing for young men to serenade ladies at night, as I believe they do in the southern countries of Europe, and sing all sorts of nonsensical songs to them. The young man may or may not be serious, but no offense is meant and none is taken, even by ladies of the highest rank, who accept the whole thing as an English girl would a gracefully turned compliment. Availing himself of this custom, good bethought him that would serenade Sir Reyes, whose private apartments, together with those of her maidens, were exactly opposite our own on the further side of a narrow courtyard which divided one section of the great palace from another. Accordingly, having armed himself with a native zither, on which, being an adept with the light guitar, he had easily learned to strum, he proceeded at midnight, the fashionable hour for this sort of caterwauling, to make night hideous with his amorous yells. I was fast asleep when they began, but they soon woke me up, for good possesses a tremendous voice and has no notion of time and I ran to my window-place to see what was the matter. And there, standing in the full moonlight in the courtyard, I perceived good, adorned with an enormous ostrich feather headdress and a flowing silken cloak, which is the right thing to wear upon these occasions, and shouting out the abominable song which he and the old gentleman had evolved to a jerky, jingling accompaniment. From the direction of the quarters of the maids of honor came a succession of faint sniggerings, but the apartments of Sorais herself, whom I devoutly pitied if she happened to be there, were silent as the grave. There was absolutely no end to that awful song, with its eternal I will kiss thee, and at last neither I nor Sir Henry whom I had summoned to enjoy the sight, could stand it any longer. So remembering the dear old story, I put my head to the window opening and shouted, For heaven's sake, good, don't go on talking about it, but kiss her and let's all go to sleep. That choked him off, and we had no more serenading. The whole thing formed a laughable incident in a tragic business. How deeply thankful we ought to be that even the most serious matters have generally a silver lining about them in the shape of a joke, if only people could see it. The sense of humor is a very valuable possession in life and ought to be cultivated in the board schools, especially in Scotland. Well, the more Sir Henry held off, the more Sirius came on, as is not uncommon in such cases 
till the last things got very queer indeed. Evidently she was, by some strange perversity of mind, quite blinded to the true state of the case, and I, for one, greatly dreaded the moment of her awakening. Sorais was a dangerous woman to be mixed up with, either with or without one's consent. At last the evil moment came, as I saw it must come. One fine day, good having gone out hawking, Sir Henry and I were sitting quietly talking over the situation, especially with reference to Sorais, when a court messenger arrived with a written note, which we with some difficulty deciphered, and which was to the effect that the Queen Sorais commanded the attendance of the Lord Incubu in her private apartments, whither he would be conducted by the bearer. "'Oh, my word!' groaned Sir Henry. "'Can't you go instead, old fellow?' "'Not if I know it,' I said with vigor. "'I had rather face a wounded elephant with a shotgun. "'Take care of your own business, my boy. "'If you will be so fascinating, you must take the consequences. "'I would not be in your place for an empire.' "'You remind me of when I was going to be flogged at school, "'and the other boys came to console me,' he said gloomily. "'What right has this queen to command my attendance, I should like to know? "'I won't go.' "'But you must. "'You are one of her officers and bound to obey her, and she knows it. "'And after all it will soon be over.' "'That's just what they used to say,' he said again. I only hope she won't put a knife into me. I believe that she is quite capable of it. And off he started very faint-heartedly, and no wonder. I sat and waited. And at the end of about forty-five minutes, he returned, looking a good deal worse than when he went. Give me something to drink, he said hoarsely. I got him a cup of wine and asked what was the matter. What is the matter? Why, if ever there was trouble, there's trouble now. You know when I left you. Well, I was shown straight into Sorais's private chamber. And a wonderful place it is, and there she sat, quite alone, upon a silken couch at the end of the room, playing gently upon that zither of hers. I stood before her, and for a while she took no notice of me, but kept on playing and singing a little, and very sweet music it was. At last she looked up and smiled. "'So thou art come,' she said. "'I thought perchance thou hadst gone about Queen Nilepha's business. Thou art ever on her business, and I doubt not a good servant and a true.' To this I merely bowed, and said I was there to receive the Queen's word. Ah, yes, I would talk with thee, but be thou seated. It wearies me to look so high. And she made room for me beside her on the couch, placing herself with her back against the end, so as to have a view of my face. It is not meet, I said. 
that I should make myself 